Welcome to episode one with Michael and Eric, the podcast where we watch the first episode of a streaming exclusive show and talk about it. I'm Michael. And I'm Eric. And this week we watch Shrinking. On Apple TV Plus. Is Apple TV Plus just really, really good? It is as good in terms of its original shows as Peacock. All right. What would you think of Shrinking? I liked it quite a bit. Me too. Uh, Do you have a lot to say about the therapy aspect of it? Some, yeah. Do you want to tell everybody what this is about and then get into that? So this show is about Jimmy, who's a therapist. And he's going through some shit. And we find out at the end of the episode, it's because his wife died, which we all could have guessed given all the context clues in his life. Over the course of the episode, we see that his life's kind of crumbling. The beginning of the episode, he's like getting high and has hired some hookers, despite the fact that his teenage daughter is fucking sleeping. I don't something about that was a lot of things about that were gross. But he starts to get his life back on track when he starts being more open and vulnerable and direct with his clients, with his therapy clients. The end. A couple things. I'll keep it short because A, there's a 50% chance I'm wrong because it's been 10 years since I practiced or seriously thought about psychology. And also because I don't think people are terribly interested in it. Number one. He's working at a cognitive behavioral therapy clinic. It's literally titled Cognitive Behavioral Therapy Clinic. 95% of what he was doing was not cognitive behavioral therapy. Cognitive behavioral therapy is all about examining your thoughts, your feelings, and your actions, and working to change either your thoughts or your actions, which in a roundabout way end up changing how you feel about things. I don't know that I heard it's it's a lot more prescriptive maybe prescriptive is maybe not the word the right word but it's the word I'm thinking of it's it's fairly there's like homework and and a lot of it's very directive it's not a lot of sitting around and going tell me about your father oh. sort of therapy it's it's more direct that's interesting so this episode, at least, revolves around his relationship with a new patient who has anger issues and keeps like getting in bar fights and puts somebody in a hospital. And from what you're telling me, some of the things that he does may not have been as out there as we were like, like with cognitive behavior, like go try some MMA. MMA. Ish. There's so that's the second part of what I was going to say, which is. The things that they chose to harp on for being quote unquote unethical that he does are not unethical as a therapist. Him opening up and and providing information about his life isn't unethical. It it isn't. It's definitely frowned upon like CBT is not one where that would come out. Like cognitive behavioral therapy is not one where that would come out because you're not spending a lot of time talking about how you know what I mean? Like I don't know. And then what was the other thing? Him taking his client to go do MMA because 
the guy had a lot of anger issues. There are aspects of that. I think that the, that could be a way of getting at the things that CBT would get at. But he then used that as an opportunity to do a lot, a, a lot more almost psychoanalytic therapy sort of stuff, which is a lot more exploratory and, and tell me about your past and, and all this sort of stuff, which CBT isn't as interested in. What What's CBT? Cognitive behavioral therapy. Got it. All that to be said, like, it's not that a CBT therapist can't do those things. It's that, that, that bugged me. It's that he's explicitly working at a place that's titled cognitive behavioral therapy clinic. Those tend to be fairly prescriptive about like that is all they do. I don't know if it's this all he does. And it's been, I don't know. Again, I don't know if this is terribly interesting to anyone. Um, so I'm not going to belabor it anymore, but those are the things that bugged me about. I'm interested. Sure. But I pay you to be interested. (laughs) Uh, This show made me feel old. You know why? Jason Segel's got a teenage daughter in it. And it's believable? Yeah. God damn. How old am I? Pretty fucking old, dude. Yeah. Harrison Ford's 80? Yeah, that's believable, though. I, he doesn't seem 80 to me. Uh, he seems pretty 80 to me. He seemed pretty 80 for like 10 years to me. <laughs> I don't know. Shay's grandfather's 80 and he seems 80. Harrison Ford seems 60. I think 60. I think you're just thinking of Harrison Ford from your favorite movie, Indiana Jones and the Crystal Kingdom, when he was actually probably 60. <laughs> That's not my favorite movie. What is your favorite movie? Hair of Harrison Ford's? Sure. Probably Raiders. Okay. Well, I've mentioned on the podcast before that I've historically been a big Harrison Ford fan. He's uh, an actor that I oftentimes enjoy watching and will watch something just because he's in it. So, right? Like the Indiana Joneses are really good. Of course, Air Force One is a great one. But yeah. How many episodes of Shrinking did you watch? Just one. Okay. I'll probably watch more. Because Harrison Ford's in it. Lately, he hasn't been so good at the acty stuff. Uh, And I think in this episode of Shrinking, he at least did an okay job. I think it helped that the character was built for 80-year-old Harrison Ford. Yeah. Whereas his role in the Star Wars movies was built for Han Solo, which he is not anymore. Yeah. This, I mean, it was built for him to be kind of a curmudgeon. If you were like a young actor and you just like got a Apple TV Plus TV show as in like a supporting role and then found out that Harrison Ford was in it, how freaked out would you be to have to act with Harrison Ford as like one of your first jobs? I would be intimidated. Yeah, I think I think you'd have to be intimidated. I'd be cool with it, but you'd have to be intimidated. <laughs> no, I think yeah, it's intimidating, especially yeah, he's he's been acting for as long as he's been acting. It's yeah, he's a fucking legend. And he, he uh is historically kind of prickly and curmudgeonly, but not in real life too. I Yeah, in real life too, but not like a asshole, just kind of a grump. Um, but I read I skimmed an interview with the actress that plays the daughter 
uh, Jason Segel's daughter in this, and she was like, oh, no, he was great. He was great on set and uh, great to act with. I had a great time. And I was like, oh, well, that's nice. Maybe it helps that his character is such a grump that either A, he gets all that grump energy out, or B, grumpy Harrison Ford seems nice by comparison to his grumpy-ass character. (laughs) All that to say, Harrison Ford's in this. Harrison Ford's in this. He plays Jason Segel's boss who owns this clinic. Yeah. That's all. The first five or six minutes of this show, I was not a fan of. I didn't find it particularly funny. I didn't find it particularly entertaining. And just the scene where he is getting yelled at by his neighbor for being loud. That and the first bits of him being a therapist were just oh yeah it wasn't interesting i didn't feel like i was getting i've been seeing a lot of reviews comparing this to or reviewing it as though it's trying to be ted lasso because it's written by brett goldstein and and bill Bill Lawrence. lawrence it's the it's the sad parts of ted lasso i also think it's the what eventually came through but it took longer than i expected the um optimism of it i guess the nice the nice humor of it there mm. there's not a lot of meanness that goes on in either show for the for meanness's sake like there's some slapstick stuff but for the most part it's right all about uplifting humor as opposed to haha fuck that guy humor yeah um and this show eventually came through with that but i don't know I think it had its own thing going. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it had a, a, to me, it had a different vibe than Ted Lasso. I think it helps that the main characters were so drastically different. Ted Lasso is uh, extremely optimistic, right? Masking a deep dark pain, and right. Jason Siegel is deep dark pain that's trying to be optimistic maybe they're not all that different maybe it's just their flip sides of the same coin oh i want to talk about when i laughed the most in the episode go on uh, so he's talking about how he uh, moved his tv into the bathroom because he wants to watch a movie uh and take a bath at the same time when he goes i've never seen home alone and then later you see him in the bath watching home alone and you see the scene where uh kevin puts on the aftershave and slaps his face and then goes ah and jason seagull goes oh now i get it and i laughed so hard the thing that i laughed at the most was when he was bringing his client to mma fighting for the first sean uh to mma fighting for the first time and he's getting in the ring, and Jason Siegel's almost like playing like his coach. He's like, ah, put your hands up or whatever, even though he knows nothing about fighting. And then the first time that the opposing fighter kicks him, he's like, ah, he's, he used his feet. He's going to use his whole feet the whole time, I bet. Like, yeah. <laughs> I think I, I had chuckled a little bit at the, the, um, home alone reference before the you know kevin McAllister thing you just mentioned but when they were referencing it the first time i thought that was pretty funny um there were bits that were funny but that that he's gonna use his feet the whole time i bet is made me laugh a lot that was very funny too 
Do people really like just walk down the street and then out of nowhere go and hit shoulders at somebody and be like, what's up, fucker? It's never happened to me. I think... I do it all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) My knee jerk was it has a lot to do with you being six foot five. Oh, yeah. Because that's been my experience with being six four is that I don't people don't start shit with me or the number of times that somebody has started shit with me when I'm sitting down and then I stand up. Frankly, there have been at least a few times where somebody has started shit with me sitting down. I've been oblivious to them trying to start shit with me. I'll stand up and it will stop. And then Kathy will die laughing because she sees them just like wilt inside because, oh, wait, that guy's like six inches taller than me. Right. But you've got uh, you've got more weight on you than I do. Like, I don't feel like I'm very physically imposing because I'm skinny. I'm not physically imposing either if you just think about it for a second like yeah i've got a lot of weight on me but that's because i'm lazy and unathletic to the extreme so if somebody started shit with me i would have no idea what to do with that (laughs) um this show uh brief diversion back into therapy stuff this show more than any other show where i've watched somebody do therapy quote unquote hit the part of me that wants to go back to being a therapist really hard and i don't mean like the show itself it just had a moment that made me remember what i fucking loved about doing therapy and it was the most cliche moment of all this but it was the scene where we see sean get bumped out in public and he just manages not to like start shit after having been doing this for months and he calls jason siegel and jason siegel comes out and and asks him like what what happened or whatever and he just tells what did he say he said i some dude bumped my shoulder and i just wide it out i saw him i saw me fucking him up and it was beautiful and i just walked away like and it was that moment of triumph that Jason Siegel had, and that eventually he brought Sean in on, in on that like fucking like I I was thinking like maybe maybe it is time to like get back into that shit, and then like five minutes later I was like no no I don't I don't miss the next moments which were uh him being very responsible for uh all the shit that broke bad uh like ten minutes later yeah. I think you'd be a good therapist. I am a good therapist. I know I'm a good therapist. I just also know that some of my last experiences being a therapist were dealing with very suicidal clients and having to hospitalize someone for that. And just the amount of heartburn and stress that that gave me and the idea of doing that as a private practice clinician, which I think is the only way that I could probably make a living doing this. I don't know that I want any part of that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm, not sure. I am allowing myself to think about it. I'm allowing myself to have these moments and go, that would be cool. Um, but that's about as far as it gets because then I think, yeah, I don't want that responsibility. I don't think right now that he's going to use his feet the whole time uh, joke is the first one that made me laugh. The other one that made me laugh a lot was when Sean had convinced him to 
drop everything and go see his daughter's soccer game or whatever. And they ended up having to, he pulled his car onto the fucking sidewalk of all places. Yeah. And Sean was like, you're just going to leave your car here? He said, yeah, I'm a white guy in Pasadena. The cops probably just bring it back home for me. That's fair. I like, this was a throwaway joke, but I I liked it when, uh, I think it was the first session with Sean and Sean went, oh yeah, and then this and then this and blah, blah, blah. And he just went, so that was three Three blahs? I thought it was funny when, uh, I don't remember what her character's name was, but she, the one, his coworker that drinks a lot of water. Like me. Sure. (laughs) Um, I I wrote that down. I'm like, hey, I'm drinking a lot of water lately too. She was drinking that in front of Harrison Ford, and Harrison Ford said, you know, Virginia Woolf tried to drown herself, too. (laughs) It's a really good joke. Maybe I missed it. Maybe there were context clues, or there was something where they flat out said it. Why is his neighbor so involved with basically raising his daughter now? Uh, I just was under the impression that they're neighborly and friends and... Nothing about that scene, like nothing about his relationship with her seemed all that friendly or the the guy, Ted McGinley, by the way. Yeah, I just was under the impression that they're just like neighbors and friends. That that's what you do. It just didn't seem very friendly. Yeah, it seemed uh, obligatory. Okay. <laughs> you seem less, less off put by that than I am. Yeah, no, I mean, I grew up on a really tight knit neighborhood where this type of shit would actually would go down like this okay yeah oh how unethical was it for him to tell heidi gardner to leave her husband and that's you don't do it i won't be your therapist that that was a that was a no that was a no um I, i that's where my my memory of the definition of unethical is fuzzy It's definitely not cool for the exact reason that ends up playing out, which is that part of the reason you don't just direct people what to do is, A, they then don't take any ownership for their actions. B, if they have someone to blame when that shit goes wrong, you just help lead someone to their own answers. Um, But they were all adamant it was unethical. So maybe maybe it is. I don't I don't remember. I don't think so. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't strike me as unethical. It struck me as icky. Yeah. Um. But, and then very icky when he said, "Do it, or I won't be your therapist anymore." Right. And then he was like, "And then start dating me." Yeah. He didn't Sweet say cheeks. that. But did you get that vibe? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just me. Would you feel comfortable if you were Sean's therapist? Would you feel comfortable? during those sessions like it's but like don't things get like pretty raw and emotional sometimes and this guy snaps and gets violent in those situations he's in an established clinic which anytime i've worked in something that's a little more established they probably already have protocol if not like a straight up panic button uh situation it would be a concern, but that's, what I mean, that's everybody's fucking emotional and you never know what's going to set somebody over the edge. I've been in sessions. I've had a client literally threaten to kill me. Oh, um, dude. And it was a dude who had been to jail before. So, for uh, murder, not for murder, but 
it was a legitimate enough threat that um, he was kicked out of the program that we were in. And then when I would see him on the streets of Portland, I would do my best to avoid that particular block anymore. Wow. My notes aren't that extensive on this one. My notes aren't great because they're, if they fall into the trap that we fall into all the time, which is here's this other funny joke that they said on the show. Oh yeah. Well, here's one note. It's Billy fucking Joel again, (laughs) because we found out recently that we had to take down our beloved episode on (laughs) Doghouse UK because we were sued by Billy Joel. We weren't sued. For the, the, the Michael's saying he's going to cut that out, but I feel like there might be something litigious that could be done about us saying that we were sued by someone when we were categorically not sued by them. You can make that gesture all you want. I want to keep talking like this the entire time. I'm going to make your life a living hell. For using one of his songs in, in that episode. So I got an email from Spotify. So here's the thing. If you're looking for that episode, it's at this point, it's just not on Spotify. That episode still exists. It's just Spotify won't have it anymore. Spotify, uh, Billy Joel's lawyer's name? Yes, Spot E5. What? His lawyer's first name is Spot? Spot? Okay. Spot E5, Esquire. (laughs) Um, spot E period five. Yeah, there we go. Okay. Yeah, it's very lawyer. Yeah, all of those things <laughs> could be names. Yeah, we just got notice from them that there was third. It just said there's third party content on your uh, episode. Please review. I went and reviewed and it said it's this episode. And then it says there's a clip from a Billy Joel song in there <laughs> to which I texted you. You texted me and said, uh. It explained the situation, and I immediately went, what? No. And then I asked what episode it was, and then you told me, and then I pulled up the episode and looked at the description, and the description says that we talk about Billy Joel, and I went, I'm maybe more than a little (laughs) pissed that you managed to forget that those at least two, possibly three episodes of our podcast where you insisted that we were going to go through Billy Joel's back catalog, yeah, starting from the beginning, <laughs> the listening song. to a song every week, <laughs> and then, and then reviewing it slash parodying it. It was we were going to do this, listen to the song, and then we were going to parody the song, but make the parody about the show that we watched that week. That it's came, a good idea. That was so. Here's the thing: that's not what the idea was. The that's what came out of the first episode where we did that. Like it just it flowed naturally. That is an okay idea. It's not great for obvious reasons now because we got sued by the, Billy Joel. The actual idea was just that we were going to listen to it and review it. <laughs> and again, like I'm sure that how pissed I was about this idea was apparent back when we were doing it. But I am ten times as pissed that you managed to forget this time of both of our lives. Even after we were, quote unquote, sued by Billy Joel. I proposed so many 
so many but ideas. so few of them i let us suffer through <laughs> <laughs> in the name of comedy so, so so we did play a clip of uh she's got away by billy joel on that episode i totally forgot that we were even talking about billy joel so i was blindsided but we were going to do like parodies and reviews so we thought at the time, I'm sure, oh, this is okay for us to do. And present day still think that we were probably okay. But upon listening to, listening to at least what I listened to of the episode, we didn't do a whole lot of reviewing of the show or parodying the so song. He, here's the thing. I remember every one of those. We absolutely did review every one of those. That's what makes this 11 times as angering, angering. I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. I'm so pissed right now, (laughs) which is that not only (laughs) was this a terrible idea. (laughs) It was so terrible that you cut out. Most of the content to the point where we had no longer been reviewing this. But then here's the, here's the twelfth level of this. You kept the fucking song in. It's a good song. Oh, see, there's the review. I'm gonna play. Oh, I'm gonna play it right now. <laughs> don't. For for Eric, six months from now, don't. Oh, I thought it was funny. Um, <laughs> Oh boy, you want to just wrap it up? <laughs> this podcast forever, maybe. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the episode one podcast with Michael and Eric. You can follow us on our website. It's episode one podcast.com. That's right. <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter. It's at podcast episode one. Uh, Billy Joel, if you're listening, we will see you in court. Our email is at pod or podcast episode one at gmail.com. So you can send our, uh, the like documents. You can just serve us there. It'll be fine. Also, uh, big thanks to Bazzi for the use of our theme song and no thanks to Billy Joel. Right. This Bazzi hasn't sued us once. (laughs) And we put a clip of his song in every episode. Uh, another really early bit that we had, I think it was from the second episode that's endured all the way through these three and a half years, was the Cinnamon Wizard. Endured is the right word. Yeah. Persisted? Persisted. <laughs> despite all good sense. <laughs> all right. Much like our listeners. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>